Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for all things human factors, psychology, and design. Hey everyone, it's Elise Pallet here at the Health Care Symposium on the final day, and I'm sitting here with Ken Ketchbull, who is a human factors research practitioner at the Medical University of South Carolina. Welcome, Ken. Thank you so much, Elise. <laughs> uh, this is so much fun. It's fantastic to have you on the show. Um, you know, especially because I know our history goes back, you know, from when I was a measly little grad student. <laughs> and and not, so not, never measly. <laughs> it's fun to have you on the show. Uh, so what brings you to the Healthcare Symposium this year? Um, I try and come every year. It's become, um, uh, you know, important professionally, but also... Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I don't have an enormous opportunity to spend lots of time with lots of human factors prof professionals. Um, I work out in a hospital and, uh, and there's really two, two of us who do human factors in that hospital. So it's really fun to come find out what everyone's doing. Um, I, you know, I know lots of people. So, um, and, and it's, sort of, it's, it's inspiring because we're all trying to work uh, on these huge problems um, for which you know there's there aren't any easy easy answers but the amount of incredible work that people are doing um, really um, yeah gives me hope for you know the, the progress that we're making um, in this area uh, yeah so so it's 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 fun and inspiring um, and uh, um, and a really great way to um, to to yeah to, to socialize as well and you know so just touching on the inspiring part uh -huh. you mentioned it's you know just two people two human factors people where you're working mm -hmm. um, you know so sometimes you know getting bogged down and feeling like it's just you experiencing those challenges I think one of the themes that has come up across these panels is you know people in your kind of position across these different hospitals embedded within the hospital yes. environment similar challenges are really coming out of that yeah no that's right and, and, and we've sort of recognized that that, uh, that and have started to try and more you know formalize how we can network better because in a way we're we're all at different hospitals trying to, so, to solve the same problems now the causes of those within different hospitals and the solutions might be slightly different but but the sort of the end pro problems that we're trying to solve are all in many you know are all very similar, and so you know trying to network, trying to understand how different people have solved the problems that we're trying to um, trying trying to solve um, is a really valuable part of this. But also that sort of network of uh, of people who are who are doing you know who who are all trying to do the same things. Um, it's it's just, I think it's a new way to think about the practice of human factors. Um, uh, and maybe we, m yeah, maybe we'll talk about, uh, about that a little more in a in a second. But I, yeah, that that's a particular feature of healthcare for human factors that we're all sort of distributed, trying to solve very similar problems. Um, yeah, and I, I know in your talk yesterday, you kind of touched a little bit on how the way of thinking of human factors and applying it is a little bit different. Yeah. So for you know, someone coming out of a grad school program, learning the basic methodology, kind of learning how to align that with people like program managers and, and system engineers and developers and you know it's it's a really a different way of, of thinking about 
how to apply human factors. Yeah, that's right. Um, and there are sort of number of uh, um, number of different features. Uh, you know, one of which is that that um, that we are all sort of distributed and often um, often quite isolated. Um, the other the other feature of healthcare, uh, unlike the sort of traditional areas in which ha human factors has been applied is that nobody ever really sat down and engineered healthcare. So all the other big industries in which human factors has been successful, generally, you know, sort of power industries or transport, um, defense, um, you know, have generally been sort of engineered in the last 150 years to achieve certain, certain uh, achievable outcomes, flying somebody to A to B, generating X megawatts of power. Whereas healthcare, nobody ever sat down and, and engineered it. And so the, the engineering or, or the human factors solutions to that um, can end up you know, being not nearly as easy or straightforward or as, or as particularly easy to, to sort of spread and disseminate um, as, you know, my, a, as we find in other industries. You know, once you've worked in one emergency department or one uh, intensive care unit or one surgery, that's all you've worked in. Uh, and while a lot of the principles sort you know, cover um, uh, cover different hospitals and different uh, different contexts. Um, the uh, the you know the 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 way they you know, the, the the way they look and the way you know the how how things transpire um, uh, uh, can be can be quite variable across different organisations. Um, and the other the other piece of this is when I talk about being a research practitioner. Um, I, I want to combine, and what we try to do is combine, you know, the research that tells us new ways to think about things and generates evidence, uh, but, you know, particularly in communicating cl to clinicians about the value of human factors. That's one half of what we do. The other half of what we do is trying to implement that. Mm. And this is another slightly different, um, I think, set of skills for human factors practice. Uh, I was never formally trained in how to sort of implement human factors findings. It was always sort of stopping at, you know, recommendations or standards or the design of a device. No, I wasn't given skills to be able to go into a clinical area and work with an operating team um, to sort of improve teamwork or improve the use of the workspace or, or improve the handoff process, which actually requires a whole new set of skills on top of uh, the, the sort of standard human factor skills. So all of those things are really, they're, they're part of what I think is a new, um, a sort of new type of new professional model that's gonna be necessary for working in healthcare and really exciting. Uh, and we've been talking about a lot of those things uh, this week. Right, and I know the the implementation piece, especially like I don't know if any school is really teaching how to actually implement that. It's Absolutely, everything you do before that, so it's really on the job training that you're kind of learning as you go based off the people yeah. that you're working with. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, I, I I've learned a lot from things like uh, lean manufacturing and and some of those principles which you know, which have their weaknesses too, but actually that way of engaging people and the way of sort of iterating, of, uh, you know, trying to work within complex systems and knowing that you can't sit in a room and, and come up with the best answer, the difference between work as imagined and work as done. Um, all of those things have really helped to, uh, to, you know, help me to understand how I can be more effective 
at applying the principles we know or with the new principles we're finding into practice for the benefit of patients. Absolutely. So can you speak to maybe a favorite project of yours where you've had to kind of innovate on how you're doing this research and, and think about how to maybe implement some of the findings? Um, there, are, there are lots, uh, and <laughs> I could sure. talk at great length, so I'm not going to. Um, I'll tell you about a project that we're really excited about. And uh, the, um, so um, one of the, uh, that's, that's relatively new, um, one of the, um, one of the uh, um, so when it, whenever a surgery happens, um, you know, all the used instruments uh, uh, get sent down to what's called the sterile process, central sterile processing, um, or sterile processing department, um, SPD. Um, which is, uh, uh, and so um, it, it's sent down there to be cleaned, uh, to be uh, reassembled, to re reorganized in the trays that it comes in, to be re-sterilized, uh, to be stored uh, for the next uh, surgeries, and then obviously to be, uh, you know, to be delivered back to the operating room in time for the, for the, for the uh, next surgery. Um, and we came across, uh, and so there, are a number of, um, so there are a number of safety issues with this that um, you can have um, th that occasionally, um, you know, right across the world, occasionally uh, instruments will arrive back in the operating room that are, uh, that are, you know, that haven't been cleaned, that might have, um, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, yeah, that, that haven't been cleaned properly, that might have rem remnants of, you know, uh, uh, of matter on them, what we call bio-burden, um, or they might have it missing instruments that haven't been properly replaced. So um, we came to this problem through, um, through a conversation and, you know, a sort of incidents that we'd had in the hospital and realized that nobody, had, that there wasn't much research on this, that the only research is either the sort of chemical, biochemical stuff about how long, um, uh, you know, how long steam needs to be in contact with a certain surface to sterilize it, um, or in fact about the training or the management of the staff. And we, st we took a systems approach that said, actually, it's, we think it might be more than that, and have really found that there are a great many other things that can affect this performance. Um, through, a, through a systems analysis, the design of the instruments, the time pressure, the way the instruments arrive down in the operating, you know, in, sorry, from the operating room. Um, even things like the lighting, the, 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 the displays that, um, uh, that, uh, that people have, the, n the naming of the instruments, all of those things affect you know, this, uh, this, this, this complex task. And what we have is really skilled, experienced, um, dedicated people doing a really, really important job but you know, that's fundamental to the success of surgery and yet they're on minimum wage. And so we're trying to, you know, our next stage of that research, uh, which we're publishing right now, we've been working very closely with SPD, is to start um, looking at how we can take that knowledge, that systems design, and, tr and, uh, and, um, uh, and do interventions to look at, how, you know, whether, whether we can improve um, the, process, the processes and those outcomes. That's fantastic, and I know a lot of um, news has covered these like cross-contamination cases, and you know, so really, it's not just focusing on the operating room and the, the procedure itself, but absolutely everything kind of yes. involves. Uh, yeah. And you know, hospitals are complex systems with you know all of these pieces interlinked, so yeah. it's uh, it can be difficult. But when you know, but 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 
human factors actually really does have a whole set of methods to understand this in, in much more sophisticated ways than are often applied within standard clinical settings. Right. Well, I hate to cut it short, but I, I know, know we're running to a it's session. So much fun. It has Thank been you. fun. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Ken, if people want to you know, uh, know more about you, look you up, where can they go to find that information? Um, so they can go to LinkedIn, uh, they can probably Google, um, or they come to the Medical University of South Carolina uh, website, musc.edu, uh, and they can find me on there. Um, and I'd, I'd always, you know, I'm always interested in how we can, you know, in, in learning from other people and um, in, 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 you know, I'm, I'm very enthusiastic about this. So I'm, I'm always, um, yeah, when, I'm always interested in hearing from people. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for inviting <laughs> me. It's very fun. Absolutely. Um, so we always end the show with a, it depends, because as you know, in human factors. It depends. It does depend. <laughs> so on the count of three, we'll just count down and finish it up. So right. one, two, three. It, it depends. depends. Spacecraft, railway locomotives, nuclear submarines, healthcare, jet aircraft, these are all examples of highly technical systems and organisations, and all have one particular thing in common. They all involve humans. Humans who want to do amazing things and are using technology to achieve them. They all have something else in common. They have amazing people ensuring that the users who are involved can do what they need to do, are safe when they do so, and have the optimum user experience. These people are Human Factors practitioners, and on 1202 The Human Factors podcast, they talk to me, Barry Kirby, about what they do, sharing their career paths, highlighting their ideas and best practices, and fundamentally raising awareness of our discipline. Find us on 1202podcast.com, on social media, and on your favourite podcast directory, because it's more than just common sense.